Taylor Harris Insurance Services. There for all equestrians, amateur and the professional. For all types and all breeds. No matter what discipline or level, Taylor Harris is committed to excellence in serving you and protecting the horses you love. Taylor Harris Insurance Services, your worldwide equine insurance specialists. This is the Plaidcast. I'm Piper Clem, publisher of the Plaid Horse Magazine. And coming up on today's special episode, I speak with Brian Wee, founder of Next Level Horse Businesses, about the changes he is trying to make in the horse industry. This episode is brought to you by Taylor Harris Insurance Services. Brian Wee is a founder of Next Level Horse Businesses, a company that helps riding school owners generate enough profit to run a sustainable business and continuing to exist to serve our community. Welcome to the Plaidcast, Brian. Thank you, Piper. I want to talk a little bit about your business, Next Level Horse Businesses. But first, you um, submitted three rule change proposals. Um, and just side note here, any member of USEF and USHA can submit a rule change proposal. I encourage everyone to to read the rule book, understand the rules, and, and get involved. And you are a member getting involved. So can you tell us about it? Absolutely. So I actually wrote four rule change proposals. The first one is eliminating how we classify riders based on how they generate income. Basically, instead of calling, looking at how somebody makes money as a way to figure out what class they should ride in on the weekends, we propose you create a different system. We proposed eliminating the mileage rule to allow for more horse show organizers to get involved in lowering the barrier to entry to become a horse show organizer. We proposed to change competition classification where currently a premier show has better amenities than a B show. It has bigger arenas. It has a safer venue. And instead of classifying competitions by their amenities, we recommend that you classify competitions based on the quality of horses and riders that are there. And I also propose to abolish horse of the year awards, which are just pure quantity based awards that I think run horses off their feet. And when you combine all four together, I think they can kind of have a turbocharged effect and, and create a completely new direction for for the sport but it's just my opinion what is that new direction and what what do you see as needing to be the new direction so i think the concepts behind uscf are pretty outdated my understanding is that it was originally like a hundred years ago founded by horse show organizers who wanted to create a network where competitors who competed at these particular horse show organizers shows their results were recorded and they could compete for national awards horse of the year and so part of the motivation was to encourage people to show as much as possible at a group of particular horse show organizers competitions it was a financial move and it was brilliant 
for a group of horse show organizers to cooperate and to whip the sport into a point chasing frenzy for their economic benefit. Now, since then, that was like a hundred years ago. Okay. Since then it's become an organization that is now becoming responsible for the welfare of horse and rider, not just to kind of whip us into a point chasing, chasing frenzy. So I think we can introduce better concepts around how we classify riders, how we classify horse shows, how we recognize and reward riders and how we, and the barriers to entry to becoming various things in the sport. And I think the sum of making these better changes, I believe would re would lead to lower cost to compete more people being able to compete and a safer environment for consumers and horses i mean uh, so what what you're saying is basically having the amateur divisions is, is classist so so i think classifying an athlete based on how they generate income is is really problematic for a few reasons one it's not directly related to your competitiveness as an athlete in anything so you can be you know for horses you know you can be a phenomenal rider and not generate income through through horses you can also be a terrible rider and generate income through horses so it's not directly correlated and there's lots of examples of of both right so it's not the perfect thing to use the other big problem with it is it's unknowable, you know? So I, I recommend we use a, something else besides how we, you know, how we generate revenue to decide, well, who should be riding against each other on, on Saturday and Sunday. It's, it's a pretty outdated concept and there's a better way to do it. I think that the classes thing, if I'm understanding what you're saying, it more relates to my, my view on the, on the competition classifications rather than on the, the amateur status. So how should we be quantifying competitions? To move into how we should comp classify competitions, you know, right now there is a concept, again, you know, a very old outdated concept that as facilities have bigger arenas, then and and more prize money and more total divisions that they offer over longer periods of time then their classification increases so a for example you know a premier double a show has a requirement that they have something like a 20,000 square foot indoor arena Okay. Versus, you know, that, that requirement, they might not even need an indoor arena for, for a lesser qualification or a smaller indoor arena. And if you go to a double a show, then historically you get more points towards awards than you would at another show, or you get, now you get points towards a more prestigious award 
than you would at a show that only has a 16,000 square foot indoor arena. And so I think to any athlete, like that's a ludicrous way to, to say, okay, so you were at a facility that had 20,000 square foot indoor there and had more, like it had more seating and had hot food. So if, if a facility has those things, then everyone there gets points towards a better award versus if I only went to a place that had a 16,000 square foot arena, they didn't have hot food, then I'll get points towards a less prestigious award. Now, obviously, if a facility is going to be forced to furnish a 20,000 square foot indoor arena, they need to charge more. So there's a direct correlation in how much it costs to go to a double A show versus a B show because uh, the facility requirements are, are, are greater. Now, anyone can go, this is the, the crazy part, to a double A show. And I'm gonna be showcasing this pretty soon that literally anyone can go to it that can afford it. It would be like if soccer had a rule that any you know soccer facility that had premium premium facility you know giant fields with the most expensive footing available their goals that scored at that facility counts triple towards the soccer player of the year award and Can you name anyone who was horse of the year last year no me neither no. no i mean no seriously i i like off the top of my head i do not know of any horse or any rider that was horse of the year. I, I don't know. I'm wondering, are like, are people even chasing these points anymore? Do people care? The thing I see most on Facebook is like, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised that my horse got six in the zone. I didn't even know. We only did a couple shows. We only did one yeah. show. I'm so surprised. Like people seem more surprised by their year end ribbons and actively seeking them. I think there's definitely people that are, that are chasing them, but I think, I think, yeah. I don't think anyone would blink if you abolished it. Uh, yeah. I think there would be a few people, but for the most part, the majority would be my guess is the majority of the membership would would not lose any sleep if if you abolished it. Well, it, it's this concept of how many ribbons do we need to pass out and how much of our membership, those ribbons are not cheap, how much of our membership dues are going towards ribbons. I've asked many times to opt out of, I'm not a ribbon person, um, to opt out of like ribbons or if there's a way to opt out because I know a lot of people get a lot of ribbons and you know if if you've been zone horse of the year six times and then you get fifth place one year I mean odds are yeah you're not going to get too thrilled about that ribbon and like there's no mechanism to opt out of them there's no mechanism to have the federation spend money on better things which kind of leads yeah. into next level horse business I, I would love to talk about all of the great work you're doing. I feel like every week you talk to someone and some lesson program and, and something shutting down in, in various local areas. And that's a thing that's going to make our sport happen for the next generation. That's where so many of us got started riding um, at lesson barns, at local places that that were recommended or people found. Um, I, I started riding because my mom found a barn in the yellow pages of the phone book. Tell us a little bit about what are some of the challenges that the starter barns face in the in the current climate and, and some of the great work you're doing to help them. Sure. So we 
at Next Level Horse Businesses believe that the horse industry is a great financial opportunity, if approached correctly, to have a career. And we found that's in direct contrast to the status quo will sort of tell you, and that's the first challenge, is that anyone operating in the horse industry, it's gonna to be tough for them to shake the status quo of how many people will tell them that it's impossible and start sort of brainwashing them that it's impossible to be financially successful. The other challenges are finding a place, a facility that's close enough to an urban population and, and not too expensive that you can either rent or buy and to work that out like that's the first step like can you work that out some way can you buy it can you lease to own it can you rent it and a lot of mistakes are made right there you know the game's kind of won or lost i think at securing the right facility and location you know another challenge is is high overhead so you're gonna be experiencing high overhead and inflation that's tough and acquiring lesson horse flesh and keeping them them healthy that's another big challenge and then acquiring enough clients at the right price point right is is another challenge that you got to overcome so those are some of the big ones i think getting the right team in place and finding talented team members and attracting retrain you know training them re retaining them keeping them happy is is a challenge right every business is, has the same you know has similar challenges and your challenges in the horse industry are not greater than than the restaurant industry or in any industry they're just different i think something we do struggle with though is a lot of people who work in this industry want to have the money to do this industry and I, i'm i think you can make a very good living and have a solid life in this industry, but I don't think there are any jobs in this industry that pay you to be a client of this industry. Yeah, that's an interesting, I mean, that's where I think all of this makes sense because a huge part of the sum total of all my rule change proposals is that if you, if you eliminated the, the amenity requirement to put on a double A horse show, okay, and you eliminated the mileage rule, so anyone can put one on, and you don't need to have, right? These rules were probably written by a, somebody that had a 20,000 square foot indoor arena that you have to have a 20,000 square foot indoor arena to put on a double A show. So if you eliminate that and you let anyone come in and to get an, you know, you're not chasing an award that requires you go to 24 double a shows a year to win right you, you eliminate that then the cost i think you know I'm, I'm approaching it at two angles then the cost to be recognized by the sport goes down and then the work we're doing is dramatically increasing people's incomes that are that are involved in the sport and we have people making 10 20 dollars a month in profit like clockwork and you know, you have other competitive advantages when you're owning a riding school. I think you can keep horses, you know, your, your costs are a little bit lower. It's really just, there's some talented riders with good horses out there that literally just can't afford to 
to compete. Like when I went to USEF too, like you mentioned the cost to administer horse of the year, it's not just the ribbons. They have entire floors of people that I think are just count, trying to count the points. Like there's a lot of people at USEF when I went there, I'm like, and, and I think you're right. Like the people at USEF can't afford to, to chase these ribbons on their USEF salary that they're, they're counting the points on. So we kind of need to restructure the horse show system and the award system so that you're not just sort of outspent before you even start. What about the argument that many make that this is a luxury product and it's kind of, you know, having this run this way has created a vacuum which allowed IEA and, and many of these other programs to grow. How do you kind of view you that perspective that we have a lower cost model already? It's it's called IEA. I think there's a spectrum and people that say, well, if, if I said, look, I've got a way to to lower to lower the cost to be involved. And then what the counter argument is, is, well, let's not even try to do that. I mean, I think IEA is is great. I'm, I'm a fan of it. But I also think that it, it would make sense to lower the cost to go to a double a show i think those two things can exist at the same time if we're awarding people by the quality of competition it do you think that that's going to shake out essentially how we have it right now because no matter what you do like some of these top riders are going to be chasing grand prix prize money or you know other factors that would kind of leave them ending up at the same horse shows so so my vision is that you don't separate horse shows at all by their amenities or their prize money a horse show is just a horse show now until you have some sort of system that can track the quality of horse and rider then which which we implement in another one of my rule change proposals so the amateur rule change proposal says that we're no longer going to categorize people by how they self categorize themselves based on how they generate income because that just is insane but it says that we're going to take an entire year of 2024 and uscf is going to form a task group that they will introduce in 2025 a new system which look i'm just like as long as it's merit-based i'm i'm I think we're heading in the right direction so i'm not saying we got to use my system i'm just saying that uscf will create a task force with some really smart people to create a new system that judges riders based on something else, right? Their show record, a test they pass, a judge watching them ride, some sort of more direct context of their riding skill. And the, you, the USCF can decide what that is, a task force we can put together really the best minds around this. and. They have an entire year to design it. Now, once you have that, you've got something. Like, let's just say there's a level one rider, a level two rider, a level three rider, a level four rider, a level five rider. You know, I think it makes more sense down the road that you could introduce different horse show classifications based on the quality of rider that is there. So let's just say I had a single arena and I had no prize money and I only had two divisions going, but every rider there was a level five rider. Well, that to me would be a premier double A show. 
and it wouldn't cost a fortune to put it on and you would get an invitation just simply because you're good and it wouldn't be expensive to to, to be there and i don't think that the riders i talk to they don't necessarily aren't necessarily there because of the total amount of amenities or the total amount of divisions are there or even the prize money they're just looking for a really good course a chance to challenge themselves and they all laugh when you're like oh the prize money i mean it doesn't it just sort of offsets it's 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 a funny game right because Porsche organizers are required to put up a certain amount of prize money, but they're not required to offer entries at a certain price, right? So they can just increase the, the entry fees as the prize money goes up. So it's like, let's just quit playing that game and just all admit, look, we're here to challenge ourselves and have a great course, have great competitors, see great horses and riders. I don't think that people are really that motivated. It's more about the prestige of something that you can create in other ways. Now, you know, with that being said, like if you can, it, it becomes interesting if, if you can find a way that the entry fee is low and the prize money is high. And I think by introducing more horse show organizers that understand that that's the game, you'll find some people that are able to do that to a more, you know, to, to a better fashion better, better numbers. Brian, we thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. To learn more about anything we've discussed on today's show, visit thepladhorse.com. You can find show notes at thepladhorse.com slash listen, follow the plaid horse on all the social medias. You can subscribe to the print edition of the plaid horse magazine at thepladhorse.com slash subscribe. Please rate and review the podcast anywhere you listen to it. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends. I will see you at the ring.